0: River Valley Church, uh, open up to 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, yeah, as we think of uh, going on, we're in a passage on suffering, a uh, passage that is trying to encourage churches in a region, uh, both uh, of Jewish uh, people who come to faith, but primarily Gentiles that had come to faith, uh, people like you and me for the most part. Uh, try to encourage them in the midst of suffering. It can be a more uh, appropriate uh, passage uh, and really section for us of Scripture. Uh, We realize that it's always preparation, right? It's always preparation. God's Word is always preparing us for the day and the days ahead. Um, I think that uh, most of the time we have looked to the Scripture and when we talk about suffering and persecution, uh, we've thought about, Places, other places in the world, uh, China and Africa, Middle East and uh, parts of Asia. And, and we look at this and we say, oh, that's for them, uh, that's passages. And uh, even these last months, we've wondered if uh, things will change for us here in the United States. Um, I, I, I want to tell you that the, the passage that we're looking at this morning Uh, is one of reminder of ungodly life, what it looks like, how it works itself out, and how it's important for us to think that through. Uh, As we look to God's word this morning, uh, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, in the last couple of weeks, we realized that he gives us that simple way to live, to live for the will of God. To always ask the question, what does God want me to do? How does he want me to live? What is his word said? How is uh, that word applied in my situation right now? And then just simply obeying God. Uh, As we look to that, uh, it's a a freeing thing to realize that we can follow after God and everything's going to be okay. (laughs) That we can have great confidence in our relationship with him. Um, I, I think about this passage and um, I, I picture um, how many of you have ever been bullied, ever been bullied? Like when you're a kid, you ever been bullied? Some of you didn't raise your hand because you were the bullies. Uh, you were the bullies. And, 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 and I this picture you know i've seen it in movies and like on the playground and very sad. there's not even much bullying going on in the playgrounds these days but um you just remember that that kid twisting your arm back and he says say uncle say uncle and yet it's this this power over him and, and he's saying give up give up give up to me so acknowledge that i'm in control over you And as I think about suffering, and I've shared this over and over again, the enemy has desires in our suffering. And his desire is for us to say, uncle, for us to give up, for us to quit and uh, resign ourselves or uh, give over control or change our path of faithfulness. Um, God also has a desire for our struggles that we would remain faithful to him and persevere and endure suffering, even as he, his son endured suffering as he walked the face of this earth. And so this morning, we're going to go back to this. And, um, and really, we're going to be encouraged uh, as we consider our past, the present and the future and how this will motivate us as God's people to continue to persevere and as i think about our church right now uh, i i believe god wants us to persevere to not quit to not not quit meeting together not quit uh looking forward to the future not quit trusting him for the day uh not quit being kind and encouraging to one another uh to serve one another, I believe he wants us not to quit. And so this morning we're going to look at the past, the present, and the future. If you stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from 1 Peter in chapter 4. And I'd like to read to you the, the first six verses. We we looked at the um <coughs> excuse me. We looked at the first two verses last week, but I'll just read it for context. God's word says this, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of uh, the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time uh, that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do living in sensuality and passions and drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who were dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the Spirit the way God does. God, I ask that you would mark us with your word this morning. Thank you for each one here. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this parking lot. Thank you for allowing us to have this equipment that we can meet here in relative peace and uh, comfort. And God, we just ask that we would acknowledge your word, treasure it now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. As I think about um, uh, this morning, I, I I'm always encouraged to see the church, to see people that are part of the church and uh, to speak with you and uh, encouraged by you. Um, I, I want to just remind you that that's good for your soul as well. I, I know most of you know that, um, But uh, it's easy in times like this to to think you need something. You need something else. And uh, I want to tell you, you need more of God's church right now. You need more of it. You don't need less of it. You need more of it. And so um, even as you think about the days to come, uh, mark in your mind, uh, mark on your calendar, circle it in Sharpie marker, permanent. So not pencil, but... uh, uh, th- this is what I do until the Lord returns, or he takes me home. Uh, we look in our passage this morning, and uh, like I said, last week we looked at the will of God, and now um, he's really, what he's doing, uh, he, he talked about the will of God, but now he's, he's contrasting side by side the godless life and where it leads, and the, the life that's given over— to first of all to the only gospel and then to living following the God who loved you so much following his will he's given us a gospel that saves and then he uh, directs us the rest of our life down here but he wants to put just right next to it really the, uh, the godless life what it looks like and You think about that, and even as I say that, some of you would say, you don't need to tell me about the godless life. You don't need to tell me. I can tell you about the godless life. I can stand up and give testimony of things I've done, places I've been, things I participated in, and where it led me and the emptiness that happened. I can tell you. This morning, he's reminding us of... uh, the past, the present, and the future, um, and how that connects with our suffering. So he starts in verse 3, and he says this, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. He says it's past time. Uh, I'd say it this way. He's looking back at the bad old days. Uh, Sometimes we have pictures of things that were sinful in our past, Maybe they're not even sinful in and of themselves pictures, but you remember who you were in that picture. You remember who your friends were. You remember about the things that you loved. You, you remember about scenes and things that you did. And and what he's saying is, I've had enough of that. I, I don't need any more of that. I've tasted it and I've had my fill. It's as if he's looking at the book of of that part of his life and he goes, closed, it's done. It's done, it's over with. And this is part of the picture of the past. And I I would say it this way, the godless past, the godless past. And I want to tell you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you look at that point in time uh, most of us, there's, there's like a point in time or, a, or a section in time. We, we realize we went. Uh, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And we we say that marks the time. Some of you have a date, a place, uh, all those things. And others uh, grew up and, and then you realize finally it came to fruition, all that you had heard and you understood the gospel and you realized that Jesus was your savior. He was your Lord. He was your salvation. Your debt was paid in full. And now you understood this new relationship, this family relationship and that he is your Lord. You realize that is a point in time. And so what, you, what he's pointing out is the time before that is past. It's sufficient. It's done with. I don't need any more of that. Um, and the reason being is the sins of the past never came through on the promises that they made to you, right? And what I mean by that is this, that sin has a great promise with it that is never fulfilled. It's gonna satisfy you. It's gonna be enough for you. It's gonna make life great. And, and this idea that your sin has never made your life great, it, it's hurt you over and over again. It's ruined relationships. It's left you empty. It's left you guilty. And, and so this idea that he looks to the past godlessness in his own life and he says, it's over, I don't need anymore." I've had my fill. It didn't taste very well the f- first time, and it hasn't improved with age. And so I'm done with it. And he reminds us that as believers, we need to be done with the, the bad old days. These bad old days were marked by doing what the Gentiles want to do. The Gentiles, the, the idea of the Gentiles, m- most of the time in the scripture are just those who don't follow after God. They they follow after whatever they want. They're they're driven by passions. They're the the group of unbelievers. I, Gentiles can include many different types of beliefs that are wrong that don't follow after God. But the mark of them is this that they don't have um, God in their life, they haven't been forgiven of their sins. They don't have a relationship with him. And so how they make decisions is just simply what they see, what they smell, what they want, what they, they just go after it. And they, they bounce around like a puppy uh, being distracted and going after different things and not knowing and being inquisitive and thinking, oh, this is going to be the right thing for me. And in the midst of participating in that sin, well, that's not right. And then you go to another and then you, and it, it's this, this constant running around looking for, looking for something that would satisfy them. That's what the Gentiles are. And what do they do? They just do whatever they want to do. Whatever they want to do. He makes a list here that... Um, he makes a list here of sins. Uh, the first three probably being personal sins that, or even private sins, things that you do yourself. And then uh, the three last ones are probably like um, community sins or sins you do in a social setting with other people, larger group. But what, what he's getting at is this. It's an identity. It's an identity. What is your identity here today? What, who are you? Uh, identity is an interesting thing. Most of the time we, uh, we have some things about ourselves that we identify with. We, uh, maybe it's our nationality. You know, you're a proud fill in the blank. Um, You say, This is who I am. Or maybe, uh, you know, you identify with the city that you were born in or you live in. Uh, I'm from Tehachapi. You say that with great confidence. And then somebody says, How do you spell that? Where is that? (laughs) Sounds weird. (laughs) Um, We identify in different ways. And in this passage, You got to get this. Uh, He's saying uh, Gentiles identify themselves with nothing, with nothing. They don't identify, this is my God. They don't say I am a follower of God. It says that I'm a follower of something else or myself or my own ideas or my town or whatever. It's identity. And for us, for us, as we consider our identity as suffering, our identity is all wrapped up in what Jesus did on the cross, his love for us, God's love for us in sending his son and that we have relationship with him. And so um, I, it's not something that we would be proud of, but we would not find ourselves to be a beggar. <laughs> oh, I'm just a child of the most high God. <laughs> Poor me, I worship the God of the universe. Poor me, I don't, I don't know what's happening. The, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords calls me his own. <laughs> you know we're, we're not beggars, right? We're children of the Most High God. And as we think about that, that identity, that identity, should impact. How we think about suffering. And so he says to us now, he says, the time is past. It's over. Books closed. That time is done for us to live like Gentiles. And Gentiles live like Gentiles. You know why? Because they're Gentiles. They don't have a God to answer to, they don't have a God who protects and loves and cares for them eternally. And so he says, the time is done. And what, what is the time done for? He picks. Uh, kind of the Gentile way of living where it ends up. It's not that there aren't sins less than this. It's just this is what characterizes a life of the Gentiles. The first three go like this. Sensuality, passions, and drunkenness. That first word, uh, sensuality, uh, is, is the idea of giving themselves over to filthy living, like dirty moral living. Now, th- this is complicated in our world today because we, we don't know what dirty living is, right? Uh, we, you know, we're following after the way of the culture, and the way of the culture says, um, hey, whatever you find to be love, it'll be fine. You know, you you just do your own thing. You do what's right for you and what you see is right in your own eyes. You do that and that'll be right. It won't be filthy. I want to tell you, I want to tell you this, that you should define, you should define what's right for you. You should decide what is morally correct by what God has instructed us in his word. Not what you think, not how you perceive life, not how your friends and family define it. I mean, we live in California, right? <laughs> you know, and we live in California. I mean, that says a lot right there. Some of you are, lived in California your whole life and you go, I know, what's a big deal? That's the problem, <laughs> right? I want to tell you our morals, what is right and what is wrong, what is filthy and what is right in the eyes of God needs to come from the word of God. If you wonder, we should study it. If you wonder, we should study it. We should look to him. He describes, he says, this idea of giving yourself over, uh, the idea of sensuality, of giving yourself over to filthy living it 's this idea that says, uh, There are no boundaries i 'll just do whatever comes naturally to me i 'll just do whatever I think i 'll just do whatever I, my eyes see and my heart cries out for. He said that's the Gentile way of living is what we 're not doing. The time's up for that. He goes on to a different word, and, and both these words have an uh, they touch our 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 personal, most personal most intimate uh, forms of life, right? As adults, we look at this and we realize that uh, our our intimate relationships, our marriage relationship, our our dating relationship, our, our purity amongst our friends, and we realize that God is in control of all those, right? He created and so he gets to dictate. He gets to instruct. And I say he gets to dictate because he created. But the idea is he loves you, and he created you to be a certain way, and he he wants to bless you in that. He wants to do what's best. He goes from sensuality to passions, and and it's not just this word is can be translated lust as well, but but the idea of passions is. Uh, just the desires, the desires going after the desires that you have. It's not just simply a man and woman intimacy or lust in that respect, but you can picture this one of saying, I just wanted to do it. I, I just wanted to do it, and I, I, I just went for it. I didn't, I didn't think about right and wrong, I just did it. He says, the time's up uh, for those type of passions. And then thirdly, drunkenness. Drunkenness uh, makes a distinction between uh, having a drink and drinking to get drunk. It's the idea of, of looking at alcohol in a certain way of saying, I don't need to stop. I, I don't need to quit. In fact, uh, it's fun not to quit. It's, it's something that gives a relief to my life. And he says, yeah, if you're a Gentile, that's what you do. In fact, I totally get it. If you don't know Christ in times like this, I get it. Why you would drink and not just drink a glass, but drink a bottle or a six pack. Because if you don't know what's going on today and you don't have much hope for tomorrow and you don't know what the end is, it's best not to think deeply about these things, right? Because they're Gentiles, right? And he says, you're, you're not Gentiles. In fact, the time is up for those things. Those are the first three. Those are probably personal things that they would do. But now he goes on to that which is uh, the idea of a community or a group of people. He uses the word orgies. And, and this is the picture of perverse parties where uh, Anything goes. Anything goes. There's not a sense of right and wrong again, and it, it's a party over that. It, it's the idea that uh, all, all the things and excesses that you can do and all the things that come to your mind and pushing the limits, because there are no limits, you just keep going and keep going. He says, this is what it is to be a Gentile. By the way, uh, that's the problem with sin. Never satisfies if sin could truly satisfy, there would be no parties like this, right? Because uh, you'd take one step of sin and you'd go, wow, that was great. I, I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm good. But sin never satisfies. And so you have to become more perverse. You have to take more steps. You have to do it again and again and again because there is no satisfaction because God has not created us to be satisfied by sin. He uses this word drinking parties and and now he's uh, really connecting this idea that drunkenness is now uh, going to a group and and they can't have fun without it. They have to drink more because life is so pressing and, and life is so empty and there are no rules and there is no loving God in their life so they just continue on. And then this last word, lawless idolatry probably is the picture of uh, the idea of some kind of other form of worship, some other gathering together to worship something, whether it be an uh, uh, actual temple of some sort that uh, goes into these type sinful activities, or if it's a group that gathers around an activity and says, uh, we're just going to go for it, and this is where we get our camaraderie. He says, "This is what Gentiles do: lawless idolatry." And he says, "Time's up! Time's up for this. This this godless past that most of you shared in." He says, "Time's up for that." See, see, there's a danger. Um, uh, I think all of us can relate to this. That you came to faith you came to faith and and you've trusted in Jesus Christ your life has been changed and you said this is so great I have forgiveness of sins now what am I going to do and you say I just want to live for him I just want to tell others about him I want to know more about him I have this thirst to go on and and there's this drive that comes out and this excitement but what happens when there's suffering what happens You you think back to the old days, the things that you did, and you say, maybe I should go back to that. Maybe I should call the old friends. You know, I I used to, you know, live my life on the Friday night with a case of beer and uh, a couple of buddies, and maybe I should go back to that. I I used to, uh, you know, carouse around and, uh, you know, go find my satisfaction in some a temporary relationship. Maybe I should go back to that. This suffering is hurtful to my life. It's pressure. Maybe I made the wrong decision. Maybe I should go taste of what the old life was like. And he says, no, time's up. That book's closed. That day is over. Why? Because I'm not a Gentile anymore. I have a relationship with God. I'm a a follower of Jesus. Those days are over. That's the past, the godless past. And then he, he just shares a little bit of what uh, godlessness looks like in the present. It's not, no longer your godlessness, verse four. He says, with respect to this, they are surprised. Who are surprised? The Gentiles are surprised. The old friends are surprised. They're surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. Um, I want to tell you that, uh, and if you haven't gotten this yet, it's important that you know it now. If you come to know Jesus Christ, that will change your earthly relationships. It will. It should. It's good. It's not that you ditch your friends. It's not that you say, I'm no longer friends with you. I'm no longer associating with you. But you've changed so much because you've trusted in Christ that you no longer have fellowship with them in the same things. You know, the, the ideas you use, people you used to party with and, and go and sin with, you, you don't do that anymore. Why? Because you've been changed at the core of who you are. You know, they might even point that out. Now, I think this is what they're, they're talking about here. You've changed. And you should smile real big and you say, yes, I have. And you say, well, let me correct you there. I've been changed. I've been changed. God did a work in my life. He changed me. I'm I'm not saying that I'm better than you. I'm just saying that there was an emptiness in my life that I filled with sin. But now, because of what Christ has done, I'm a child of God. No longer one that's, Looking for love. I'm no longer one that's looking for life. I have it. It's in Jesus. They, as they, you look at your present uh, people, and, and I think this is one of the things that we struggle with. Um, I don't want to talk too much about this. Politically or culturally now, we really think that that we, we're going to be able to explain to those who walk in darkness the hope that we have and, and because we explain it so well they'll get it I, I want to tell you we need to explain it but we also need to pray that God would give them the light that they might see it because a part, you, you know, we can explain and we, can, and we need to but uh, an onlooking Gentile godless world you, you know what they're going to do with this they're going to go what's wrong with you? How come, we're, how come we're not partying anymore? How come we're not sinning anymore together? How come you don't come anymore? How come you don't enjoy what we used to do anymore? What a joke. The point here is this: that they, it's not just that they pointed out, uh, it's that they're surprised. They're surprised. I thought we were having fun. Uh, they're surprised that you're not with them anymore. They, they don't understand the, the separated life that, that when they, you know, the, the picture of the flood of debauchery, debauchery is a, a general word for evil and it, it's the flash flood, right? Um, you know, there's a, one of the bad and great things about the internet today is now you can see home videos from other people, Right? Uh, and the dumb things that other people's family have done and the situations they've got himself, gotten them them, themselves into. Flash floods, um, you know, ones that people don't die in. But the, the idea of someone standing there, you know, enjoying life, think, going about things, and all of a sudden, you know, this pile of water just comes and wipes them out. And and, and they're saying, hey, I thought you were with us. And they don't understand uh, why you're not in the flood of debauchery, the, the flash flood, if you will, that uh, takes and wipes out everything in its way. They say, Why aren't you with us anymore? And the, the answer is real simple. Because it's gonna ruin me and ruin you. That's why I'm not in that life anymore. That's why I'm a follower of Jesus. They're surprised, they're shocked. They don't understand the flood of debauchery is bad for them. And even farther yet, um, it it says that they malign you, or uh, I think in other translations it says blaspheme you. And this is the thing. Uh, I don't think any of us like being... uh, talked about in a derogatory way. I don't think anybody likes the idea of people mocking us. But, but know this, that when you've been changed by the gospel and people mock you, it's not you they're mocking. It's your Savior. Not that that should comfort you at all, right? Uh, it's almost more personal. The one who did this for me, you're mocking him, you're blaspheming him. But, but know this, that uh, they are going after, they are guilty and repulsed and uh, put off by Jesus. Jesus in you. So that's the present. The present uh, and the godless present is, is that we live in a time and a place where godless people will not get it. They'll be shocked by it. It won't make sense to them. And it's not very funny, but the joke's on them, right? The joke's on them. They they think they're mocking you and that it's funny that you're wasting your life, but the reality is they've got the wrong answer and they're betting their life on it. Which brings us to the godless future. And once again, this godless future is not for you and me, it's for them. Verse five says this, Uh, but they will give uh, account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. This this is a great theme of the Bible, is giving an account of there will be a judge and he will judge accurately, right? Um, Some of these court cases that we've been talking about with these churches, uh, I'm learning a lot. I've never really been all that interested in that. Um, maybe I'll get to know more about it in the days to come. But um, one of the things, the maneuvering that the lawyers are doing with this case and that case is trying to find a good judge, <laughs> trying to find one. And and I think that uh, we like to be judge and jury, right? We like to decide whether someone's doing right and wrong, and we, we put that on one another. It's not a good thing. But But know this that these temporary judges here in this life, whether they have uh, a bench that they sit on or uh, or if they're just people who like to be judgmental, I, I want to tell you that that's all going to go gu- goodbye, right? That- that's something that is is passing. That what we should concern ourselves with is this, the end of this life, the end of this time. Uh, we're going to get into that in the next verse, right? Uh, that- the next verse next week. This picture that the end is near, you need to be thinking about the end. And, and there's only two really options here for the end, that you're in right relationship with the judge, that your uh, sins are forgiven, your uh, debt is paid, or you're in wrong relationship with the judge and you're guilty before him. And, and these same people who live their lives doing whatever they want, and when you have changed, they, they mock you and blaspheme you, and not just you, but your Savior. These very ones will have to sit before the judge. They'll have to go before the judge, Jesus Christ. And, and he knows everything. Like It won't be something where uh, if they have a good lawyer, they're going to get off. It's not if they uh, hit it well, the sins they've committed, they'll be fine. It's, it's not going to be like that. And don't think, uh, if you're here this morning and, and you think that there's some way that you can uh, get off easy, that you haven't been as bad as the person sitting next to you, even if it's your spouse, uh, I, I want to tell you that y- you can't. It will just be you before the judge, the things that you have done. And if it's just you before the judge, you're guilty. Every one of us. You say, "Well, I, I haven't participated in all those things in those lists prior." Well, there's there's other sins too, and so if you've committed any of them, you're guilty. And if you've committed a crime or you're guilty of a crime, you're a criminal. You're you're guilty. And if there's no if there's no way that anyone's letting you go or pay, paying your penalty. You will have to pay for it. And I want to tell you that this is what the world forgets. That in the future, verse 5 says, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. That idea, ready to judge, and First Peter especially, Second Peter as well, is this idea that it's imminent. It could happen right now. It's not something that some of us are are waiting for uh, signs of times and things, and you say, well, when's the Lord going to return for his church? Maybe today. There's not this this idea that, uh, you know, it can't happen today because this, that, and the other thing can happen. I want to tell you, the God of the universe is working out his plan. And if the plan was imminent in 1 Peter, <laughs> we're a day closer today, right, than we were yesterday. We need to be ready to go. Living. Living, in, knowing that the judge is ready to judge. And if we have right relationship with him, we're fine. We're fine. We're excited about that day. If we're not, if we're not, we should fear that day. And I want to say you should fear it a lot. It'd be helpful for you to fear it a lot. Why? That would drive you to need a Savior. That, that, that's what that should do. You say, I feel guilty and afraid. good. Turn to the Savior and you won't feel guilty and afraid anymore because your sins will be forgiven because of Jesus. It says that the judge is ready to, uh, ready to judge. He, he, he's, he's, it's an imminent thing. It's coming right now, the living and the dead, meaning that those who have gone before us in death and those who are living, it's not a matter of some people have this, some people have that. It's that, that he is the judge over all. Overall, he's going to go back to this idea in a, the next verse, which is difficult. Verse six, it says, uh, uh, "For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead." Uh, after studying this and looking at this, um, th- some people have uh, grand ideas of what this could be. This idea of preaching to those who are dead. Um, I, I simply believe this that what he's talking about is that the gospel was preached to those who had died before, that, that they had uh, received from uh, the apostles, Peter and others, uh, that had shared the gospel. And even before the time of Christ, that the message of looking forward to the Messiah was given. And so that those who are dead. So one of the things that's, that, that's sometimes hard for us to get in suffering is suffering, we focus on today, on today. We don't focus on our death, okay? If, if we could look at suffering today and say, hey, this won't last forever. This will not last forever. That should be great encouragement to us. And so I believe he was trying to encourage his readers by saying this, that that same gospel that saved others that died before will be that same gospel that you can cling to in your life today. Uh, this is why the gospel of pre- and and this message. I want to tell you this message of Jesus is the only gospel that saves. In the midst of suffering, uh, I think you want to encourage people with the gospel, right? Um, if you if you go to the hospital and someone is in agonizing pain, you can't go to the hospital anymore. Uh, but if you, uh, if you if you talk to someone who's sick. And, and they say, yeah, man, the pain is excruciating. I want to tell you, give them the gospel. And, and you say, well, will that fix them today? Probably not. Probably not. But if, if they can know for certain that their sins are forgiven, when you're in agonizing pain, you say, I might die. But if you know where you're going when you die, there'll be great encouragement for the battle today in the midst of suffering. Uh, so the gospel was preached and as they looked back to those of a generation before them that had already died, uh, they realized that the basis of their relationship with Christ was enough for them. It's enough for them as well in the present or even the present and the future. It says at the end of verse six that um, the end of this gospel preaching is is that they might live in the Spirit the way God does. (laughs) Live in the Spirit the way God does. And as we look at this uh, judged in the flesh, the flesh doesn't make it, right? The flesh does not make it. Your body will not make it. It's only meant for a lifetime, and we're not sure how long that is, right? The flesh isn't going to make it, but he says you will be alive in the Spirit as God is. We take great encouragement for that in the suffering. I want to give you three reminders as we close our passage this morning. Uh, First one is this, just to remind yourself over and over again that time is up on sin. Time is up. It's over. Book's closed. Remind yourself on it. When you're tempted to go back to the sins of your youth, when you're tempted to go back to the sins of the Gentiles, when you're looking upon sin and it looks good to you, remind yourself. Time's up for that. It's over. Had it. It's done. Second thing to remind yourself of. Remind yourself that an unbelieving, Gentile culture that we live in will never get it. Will never get it. Don't be surprised As you look at this unbelieving world, these people who don't follow after Christ, these people who their sins aren't forgiven, who are stuck in their guilt right now, just remind yourself over and over again while you're in conversation, while they mock mock you, your Savior, just remind yourself over and over again. Of course they don't get it. Of course they don't get it. They will be shocked that you don't jump into that same flood. This is what the Lord has told us. And then lastly... Um, just remind yourself that this day of this life is not all there is. That we live for the will of God. We realize the judge is coming. And right relationship with the judge, everything's okay. Wrong relationship with the judge or no relationship with the judge. It's all bad. Remind yourself that this life or this day is not all there is. In the midst of suffering, this would be great encouragement to you that you would persevere and continue on in faith. May we pray that God would give us the courage to do so. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you are a God of grace and mercy. God, help us, strengthen us. God, help us not to go back uh, to the filth of our past life. I pray that you'd help us sort out what life is supposed to be like today, your will for us. God, help us not get our morals from our own ideas and thoughts, but that we would uh, look to your word, hear from your heart, and that would shape our own. God, give us perseverance for the, the days ahead today and the days ahead. God, help us not grow weary. Help us not become discouraged. Help us to faithfully walk with you as we trust in you day by day. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.